Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. We've got ourselves a playoff, and it's one of those, if we'd gone back to last year, the end of last season, before we knew there was a pandemic coming, and we'd said, Alabama and Notre Dame in one semifinal, Clemson and Ohio State in another, we'd have probably been like, yep, that sounds pretty good. Ari Wasserman, does it sound pretty good still? Yeah, I mean, on the surface, it's like funny because ever since Ohio State, especially lost to Clemson in a close game last year, you just always felt like this was a destined rematch. And through all the ups and downs of the season, you got a rematch between those two teams. And it's just like, even if it was a regular year, I feel like that was going to happen. And Notre Dame is is one of the teams that's always in the mix. So, you know, the three of the four are, are the teams that recruit the best, that are, have the deepest programs uh, in terms of not only talent, but infrastructure on how to build a program. And, and you had a fourth team, uh, you know, jump in in a spot that was kind of there for the taking. So in terms of where it all landed, I think that we all can like go to bed tonight and, and feel good about the way it turned out, despite the fact that the amount of games weren't all the same. And, you know, some teams faced challenges that other teams didn't. And, you know, all the, the things that were different about this year. Um, I, I think that, you know, for as crazy as Saturday was, it still maybe set us up for the most entertaining playoff possible. Yeah. And I think that's, that's ultimately the hope, I don't think it's the goal of the selection committee to, to create the most entertaining playoff. It's to, to pick the four best teams. But you and I have discussed this many times. If you went, I say if you go three, four, five, it really could have gone any way you wanted to. I would have been fine with, with any two of the three that were three, four, and five. Uh, I think the Ohio State thing, they're more talented than Notre Dame and Texas A&M. They probably have the higher ceiling. They didn't look good at all in the Big Ten Championship game. That that cast some doubt, although I, I do have one thing I thought they did that does give me a little confidence in them as, as they go to play Clemson. But the A&M and Notre Dame decision, I, I would have really been fine with either one. And Ari, I know you have a, uh, a made-up rule that, that if you lose by 20 in your conference title game, or in any game, that you should not be in the playoff. Uh but they're in, and one of the two was going to get in, and a and had lost by 28 to Alabama earlier. So how would you have handled that if, if you were the one making the decision? Yeah, I I don't know. That is like my rule. If you lose by 24 or more, you're out. Um, but I think oh, the rule should— 24 or more. So 2017, Georgia gets in under the wire. They're, they're in. <laughs> but I, I, uh, I the reason why I made 24, I guess, is because the two other teams that were trying to get that fourth spot both were in that threshold. Uh, but— I don't know that there should be a number on it, Andy. I think that there should be a, if you were not competitive in a game for any reason whatsoever, you should be out. And I think that you could say Notre Dame was not competitive outside of the first quarter of the Clemson game, and Texas A&M was not competitive in their loss to Alabama. And like you said, this could have shake, shaken out either, either way here. You know, Texas A&M could have gotten the, the nod and Notre Dame would have been out. And no matter how it played out, Andy, the, the team that's played out put itself in a position to be scrutinized. So when you're scrutinized or you put yourself in a position where you could be left out, then that's on you. So it's really easy to feel bad for the teams that are left out uh, because whenever there's a debate, you always have, you know, think that there's what if scenarios. Um, but on the other hand, I wouldn't have taken either of them. If I were on the committee, I would have pushed for a another team. And I was the only person in the column that the athletic wrote, ran on Saturday night after all the games that you know, picked Oklahoma to be their third. And the reason why I did, and I know that you're like ready to jump through the screen and, and tell me how much of an idiot I am, and that's fine. 
But to me, I'm willing to view Oklahoma through the prism as a one-loss conference champion. And in a year where the other but they're two not team- a one-loss conference champion. They're a two-loss conference. No, I know they lost to Iowa State and they lost <laughs> to Kansas State. And because they beat Iowa State, not convincingly at all. By the way, it was very convincing in the first half. And if Matt Campbell calls a timeout, we may be talking about a different result. Absolutely. Yeah. They yeah. they squeaked by Iowa State this time. They lost to them earlier. They lost to Kansas State. And I realize that was a different Kansas State team than the one we saw down the stretch. But still, they lost to them. And but they didn't to, play like, Alabama. Like, they I'm didn't play like, Clemson. But if they had, guess what would have happened? The thing that we already saw happen with the teams that are going instead. And I agree with you. And there's and I don't feel bad for Oklahoma. They're the, they put themselves in the same situation as the other two teams did. Notre Dame was the team that won out, and whoever was going to win out, there were going to be two or three other teams that wished that they were in. Um, but from my personal perspective, yes, Oklahoma is a two-loss team. And yes, when you lose two, two games in college football, you're out. So they're out. But the one that would settle the most with me is a team that is trending upward who avenged a loss that they had earlier in the year. And I can view them through the prism. Uh, of a one-loss team that won their conference championship. And and like it or not, winning a conference championship does hold some weight. And I, I just, to me, I already know what's going to happen beyond the shadow of a doubt with, with Notre Dame and Texas A&M because it's already happened. Now, we could say Oklahoma would do that, but I would rather see the would than a repeat of what has already happened. I would always like to suspend belief when given the opportunity rather than using the thing that is a fact. So... I mean, we can go down the, the list here. Should Cincinnati have gotten in? Um, were they underranked? I'm sure we'll get to that point. Did Ohio State deserve to get in as a 6-0 team who looked terrible in their Big Ten championship game? These are all reasonable talking points. But as it pertains to the last spot, what you have are three inherently flawed resumes. Pretty solid teams, but flawed resumes. And no matter who sits with you the best, you can poke holes through that team all day. And you can do it with Oklahoma. I'm just telling you that the one that I would prefer is that one. If I had to choose in in terms of the games that I would watch and the in the in the resume that I would pick, yeah, I just don't think you know if if they if they had two losses and either one of them was to a national title contender, it's a different story. But they lost to two teams that aren't national title contenders. So that that's but do the they issue. get credit for beating the number six team in in the country on the last day of the year? Because I think going to Iowa State. Yeah. No, I know. But, you know, we're... we're (laughs) Iowa Iowa State State. should have been the number six team, but it doesn't matter. They beat Iowa State. That's great. Iowa State lost to Louisiana Lafayette by a lot. So, I mean... Get it. I get it. What are we really talking about? And I wouldn't wouldn't have thought this going into the weekend. Like, if Notre Dame would have lost 28-17 and actually showed... um, actual chance of winning in the second half, we wouldn't be having this discussion. Notre Dame's performance against Clemson completely shifted the paradigm of this discussion. Well, here, here's here's the thing, and there's a couple things about this. One, Notre Dame getting blown out by Clemson saved us, so we should be thanking Notre Dame because we'd have been watching Notre Dame-Clemson 3 in a semifinal if Notre Dame had played them close. I would rather watch Ohio State-Alabama one and Clemson Notre Dame three if the first two games were competitive. You actually might get, but you might get either one of those. And if look, if we get Notre Dame Clemson three in the final, great. <laughs> That's fine. They, they've earned it. But yeah. I'm, I'm very happy that I don't have to watch that game again 
in like 12 days. But also, you you probably agree with me on this. You watched the Clemson game, obviously. And with Clemson firing on all cylinders, playing like it's time for the playoff, and completely outclassed Notre Dame in every way, I don't look at this Notre Dame team that has the ability to compete with Alabama. And like when you're talking well, about the fourth place team in the fourth the spot, it has to be somebody. Am, am that, I the only person who watched the SEC championship game and said, you know what? I don't think Alabama's invincible. No, no, absolutely not. No. Okay. Because I, I, I don't. I, I think now I think stopping them is an incredibly tough deal. But Florida's defense has not been particularly great. I think all the defenses in the playoff have been better than Florida's defense. So maybe Alabama doesn't score that much. We know they're going to score a lot on almost anybody they play. But Alabama's defense gives up points. It does. Whose offense in the playoff is as good as Florida's? I think Clemson's might be. I think Ohio State's might be on the right day if they're not calling the plays that don't work. (laughs) If they choose to continue calling the plays that work. Mm -hmm. Is Notre Dame's? No, probably not. But the Notre Dame's defense is better than Florida's defense, so maybe there's a chance. I, I'm yeah. I think Alabama wins that game, but I did not go in there thinking Alabama is going to roll to the national title after that SEC championship game. It took a pretty incredible amount of of circumstance for a team that lost the way that Notre Dame lost uh, on the final day of the playoff rankings to still get in like I don't know like what it would take in a regular year uh I don't know if it meant like one thing that would have made it a a little simpler decision I think you know if the SEC had done what the ACC did and ditched divisions then the SEC championship game would have been Alabama A&M I would have been great we would have had no it would have been the similar conversation if A&M had won they would have been in it would have been the same conversation that we had going into Clemson Notre Dame in the ACC championship game. And then if, if A&M was out, then they were lost and they were out. So that would have probably made things simpler. And yet again, proof why divisions suck and everybody needs to get rid of them. Yeah, divisions do suck. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. But I, I feel like I, I'm okay with everything. I don't have any real I, I, gripe. I am too. I am. I am frustrated for Cincinnati only because they said the quiet thing out loud. Essentially, now as we're recording this, we don't even know where Cincinnati's ranked because they're not in the top six. ESPN has decided to stretch this out into a four-hour show, and that's great. But we wanted to get you a reaction to the teams that are in the playoff. Cincinnati. Not even in the top six, undefeated American Athletic Conference champion, weird year, flawed resumes for the number four teams, the the ones that were in the hunt for it. Cincinnati, not even considered. And Reese Davis asked Gary Barta, the chair of the committee, what was holding Cincinnati back? 
And he basically said nothing was holding Cincinnati back. So basically what he's saying is we never actually considered them a serious candidate in the first place. There's nothing holding them back. They're just not in the same category and have no chance from the get-go. That would really piss me off if I was a Cincinnati player, if I was Luke Fickle, if I was a Cincinnati fan, if I was Mike Oresco, the, the commissioner of the American Conference. And look, we know it's a Power 5 Invitational, but quit with the lip service at this point. Just yeah. say it. yeah. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, and a part of it, too, is, is us <laughs> and everybody who follows the sport and, and writes about the sport because we get so excited and so hopeful for something new or for a new paradigm of the sport to be unlocked. And we talk about Coastal Carolina and Cincinnati in the context of these things. And the real the real situation here is that they're not in the discussion at all ever whether it's week five week seven or the last no. week of the year they're not a part of the and, system and here's the thing if they'd been ranked number four at any point which they weren't seven was the highest they were ever ranked they still wouldn't have had a chance they would have been dropped out this they is the year they should have gone though Andy. get a chance this is yes, the one is year the, if you're going to do it this would be the year this was the year to do it and you had three very flawed candidates for number four and Oklahoma climbed up to number six. And I think that I, you know, for how I like them, you know, that makes a lot of sense. But at the same time, would anybody right now be outraged if it was Cincinnati at four? I think I'd be sitting no. here thinking, you know what? That's great. They deserve that. Notre Dame, A&M, and, and Oklahoma fans would be outraged. Every Everybody else, all casual fans and, and then fans of other teams would just been like, okay, whatever. Sounds good. I would have been so... I would much rather watch Notre Dame not be in the playoff against Alabama and put Cincinnati in. Like as a consumer of the sport, I would rather watch that game. Well, that that brings us to the next issue. And I've said all along it's inevitable they're going to go to eight teams. But let's let's look at if there had been an eight team seeded playoff with with the way they'll do it. And the way they'll do it is they'll they'll put the five Power Five conference champs in. They'll put the highest-ranked group of five conference champ in, and then they'll have two at-larges. So here would be the matchups based on the committee's rankings. Here would be the matchups for the playoff. And, and remember, quarterfinals would be at home. In a perfect world, semifinals would also be on campus, and then you just go to a neutral site championship game. But we'll see how it all shakes out when it actually happens in, in a few years. But this is what that would be. Oregon at Alabama... And you can say, oh, Oregon doesn't have any, any place in the playoffs, but Oregon won the Pac-12. And look, why not give them a shot? Why not? Why not have a Pac-12 team in the playoff? Why not encourage national interest in the sport so that you get more interest, more eyeballs, and more money? Cincinnati at Clemson. Does this feel any different in terms of potential result than Notre Dame, Alabama? Not really. So... Why not play this game? Cincinnati gets its chance. Clemson, by virtue of having a really good season, earns what most people would consider an easier route into the semis. Fair enough. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Now it gets really good. Oklahoma at Ohio State. Who doesn't want to watch that game? Everybody wants to watch all the matchups. That game especially. That, that, one, game, that game sounds awesome. That game would be great. In the horseshoe, potentially yeah. in the snow. Come <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, no, I know. I agree with you. 
<laughs> preaching to the choir here, bud. All right, all right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. And then you get the one we were all arguing about. Texas A&M at Notre Dame. Again, touchdown Jesus looking down over the yell leaders. Who doesn't want to watch that? It's the perfect system. I think eight is perfect. And I don't know if it's I just, do too. I think 16 is too many, but eight's good. 16 is way too many. And like the thing that I'm afraid of is that as you continue to expand it, you're watering down the product a little bit. And it's just like we struggled even with the third team I struggled. I struggled with Ohio mm-hmm. State going into this weekend. You're not alone in that. I I I would put them in, but I I don't think that they necessarily came out looking like the a top three team. Um, but if even if you cut it off at, after the top three, everybody else under it is a huge monumental step behind the top two. Right. Um, and, and the further and the you go, here, that's the thing. If, if your goal is to just create one game that is the be all end all game, that's fantastic. But when that was the thing in the BCS, how often did that actually happen? How long did how often did the game actually live up to the hype? USC Texas, yeah. Yeah. That's about it. There really weren't a lot of other ones that were that great. Yeah. You know? and I, I, I would have much rather, and the thing about that cool scenario, too, is that in sports and every other element of sports, the top seeds in the playoffs get rewarded with the easiest path. So yes. you're killing two birds with one stone. You're giving the number one seed Alabama a chance uh, to advance with an easier matchup, and then you're giving the eight seed in that scenario a team that never would have been in the playoff in a million years in the current system, a chance to prove themselves. And everybody wins in that scenario. So I think you take the five conference champions, you let each conference champion uh, or conference determine how they crown their champion, whether they have divisions, whether they have a championship game, whether they go by winning percentage, whatever they want to do. Whoever wins the champion based on the league's rules goes. You have one group of five at large and you have two other at larges, which you know opens a spot for teams like Notre Dame, independent teams, and other uh, Texas A&Ms of the world who are really good. It opens a spot the for the second best SEC team. Let's let's be yeah. honest about that. That's yeah. that's who it will be most years. And it should be. And this is this is why, if I'm Greg Sankey, I'm on board with this. So here, here's the deal. Bob Bowlesby and Larry Scott, you are derelict in your duty to your employer if you are not pushing for this now. One of your leagues, at least, has been left out every year the playoff has happened. Both of your Heck leagues well, are left out yeah. this year. You are you are not doing your job if you are not pushing for this. Yeah. So the U2, and, yeah. And then we don't have to have uh, crazy screaming debates about whether or not um, the Pac-12 should get in. Just, you know, they crown their own champion. They're in there, too. And it's just like, it's like well, funny because... How awesome you, would the Pac-12 championship game have been the other night? Absolutely. With the spot, it's like what it does is it creates an opportunity where, you know, basically what you're doing with an 18 playoff is you're creating a, a, a close to a hybrid 12 or 16 team playoff because you're creating playoff games to get into the 18 playoff. And well, that would have been great, and so, too. And, and people so, say, OK, well, what about what about Florida, Alabama? That doesn't that doesn't make it more exciting because, you know, if Alabama loses, they're in. Yeah, but Alabama's not at home anymore if they lose. Yeah. And they have a lot to play for in that regard. So. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a hundred percent agree in agreement with this. I wanted to ask you something cause I thought about you last night. If USC would have beaten, uh, Oregon on Friday, do you think this would have gotten murky the four spot? No. Or do you no, still I think, think that it would have been the clear. same? I, I think they would have had Oklahoma ahead of USC. 
I think they probably still would have had Cincinnati ahead of USC. I'm not sure on that, but I, I yeah. think they would have too. Because like I think in a world where we're trying to scramble really hard to find a fourth and feel good about that fourth, uh, you might just default to the team that doesn't have any red marks on them. I guess the team would be that they look like crap, but you know, uh, they, they would also be a flawed candidate. So you know, I don't feel bad for flawed candidates when they've lost or have been blown out. I feel bad for flawed candidates who haven't lost. So the fact that SC lost was. Um, you know, I feel that was that was kind of a ball don't lie situation. Yeah, and that's fair. You know, and like I just want to make this abundantly clear because my mentions on Friday night. I don't know. Did you tweet or something? I don't know. I must have missed it. But my tweets and my mentions on Friday night were off the rails. I, I only, the only A&M tweet fans. I sent out about you on Friday was about your stars matter tattoo that you're going to get. On okay, because like I got uh, overflow of A and M fans in my mentions on Friday night saying, "Oh, you think USC should have gotten in? You're a moron." It's just like, did I ever say that once? You, you were trying to espouse a very high-minded ideal, but the problem is the concrete examples you had to use involved USC making the playoff and yeah. A&M not. Yeah, I just like USC losing doesn't disprove the point I've been trying to make for a month because I never said USC is unequivocally one of the four best teams. I just said if they're an undefeated Power 5 conference champion, they might be in the discussion. So uh, it's, it's pretty baffling to me how hard uh, it is for some people to follow along with what I was trying to say on that. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I, I, this is the way that I think that it should have played out, I guess. Uh, the only thing I would have changed is the number four team, but I think if you asked 20 different people who their number four team should be, you might get 15 different answers. Yeah, I, and that's the thing. I don't think there's going to be a groundswell of anger over Texas A&M not getting in. I think the Texas A&M fans will be angry, and, and look, I get it. You thought your team was better. It's a judgment call. Your team didn't make its case clearly enough, and Notre Dame didn't make its case very clearly either, but they had to pick one. And so and it's they also the one that has beaten a team that's in the playoff. You, I don't know how you view the, the playoff scenario um, or if it's like having or hindering being thankful or happy with the season that you have. But like A&M, for as much as your fans hate me right now, I'm sorry. I was just trying to be realistic about what was going on. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't feel good about your season. Yeah, you had a great year in the Cotton Bowl. And and look, you can repeat this. I realize Kellen yeah. Mond is gone. Is Kellen Mond can come back if he wants to? <laughs> I don't to. know. Like, I don't know if we fifth, should be spouting fifth, that off right fifth now. Fifth-year starter? <laughs> can we do this? There's going to be a seventh-year starter on some schools, depending on how things shake out. So, now, I mean, some of those offensive linemen are going to the NFL, and, and deservedly so. They're really yeah. good. But I, I think this what you have at A&M is proof that they got it right with Jimbo Fisher, that the, the, the risk they took of $75 million guaranteed – you should feel pretty good about that. Just let me extend an olive branch to AM listeners. If you're still listening to me and you don't want me to, you know, be fired and never have a job again. Nobody in college football this year had a better finish in the recruiting uh, cycle than Texas AM. They signed three top 72 players in the last 11th hour of signing day uh, Tune Mache Adelaide, Shamar Turner, and Bryce Foster, all of which are from Texas, to move up to the number seven class in the college football or in the college football recruiting rankings. You take this season with what Jimbo Fisher did, even if they've been left out, you bring this talent in, you build off of this year, you go win a, a New York Six game, and you're setting yourself up into a position where this can be a regular thing where we're talking about AM. So, like, the fact that you're disappointed which, right now, which you're was a fan, the goal of hiring be. Jimbo Fisher in the first yeah, place. Yeah, it doesn't happen. You don't beat Alabama in two years. You have years like this and then compound that with successful recruiting to put yourself in a position long-term to compete with at that level. So, like, I think that A&M had a fantastic year. 
And yeah, I think they're a really good football team, and I've never not thought that. But I just think that a lot of times too that there's a lot of messages being sent out into the Twitter sphere that give unrealistic expectations of what that team should be or where they should be considered or whether or not they're going to get in. But Andy, well, part, part I don't know it, that they were ever truly considered at all. Part of it's the SEC mythology, and, and it's it's beaten into your head in the SEC that the SEC is the greatest conference in the world. Every team in the SEC is better than every team in every other conference. And, and that some years, the SEC is far and away the best conference in the country. It has the most talent in the country. The NFL draft bears that out every single year. But this year, the SEC had some pretty good teams at the top, some very good teams at the top, not a huge middle, and some bad teams. And it's it's okay. This was not one of those years. Like, remember the year when uh, Mississippi State beat Michigan in the Gator Bowl and chased chased Rich Rod out of, out of Michigan and that Mississippi State team finished 15th in the country and 5th in the SEC West. This was not one of those years. Yeah. If it had been, A&M would get in. But and it's it's very nice to hear um, what they what, what Jimbo Fisher said on TV. If you win seven games in a row in the SEC, you're a playoff team. But Florida was their best win, and that was the first win in the beginning of that seven-game streak. Then Mississippi State, Arkansas, South Carolina, LSU, who – you know, turned it on at the end, but is not the LSU that we know. Auburn, who's the best team that they played in the remaining seven games, and then Tennessee. So, like, you look through that schedule, and it's not its not the SEC. It sounds great coming off the tongue, but when you analyze it, that's not thats not an impressive, impressive enough resume. And then when you combine the fact that their strength of schedule and their strength of record and all the things that have been thrown around uh, for their statistics were all – given by the Alabama team that beat them 20 by 28 points, you don't get to use that. So they didn't really have, they beat Florida and their win looked better because Florida played Alabama closely on Saturday, but their resume is not very good in my opinion. And if they had one more win or if LSU was number 15 instead of whatever, and they've mm-hmm. got one more win like that, then maybe that would have been enough to put them over the edge, but you can't prop up your entire college football playoff candidacy based on one win over a team that now has three losses the week after you got destroyed by Bama. That can't be, that's not enough. And it's been a tough situation and it's still sinking in, but what they did this year wasn't enough to get into the playoff. But what they did this year was enough to incite excitement and to build a foundation of a program that can compete at this level consistently enough so the next time that they go 7-0 in seven games in the SEC, maybe they'll beat a top 12 team on top Mm -hmm. of the number four team they beat. And then maybe they'll have enough talent to actually play Alabama close or, or maybe dare to dream beat them. So these are like the baby steps or the steps that you take as a program, and that's why you pay Jimbo Fisher enough to build Cowboy Stadium, like because you, because you, you need to build towards it. And I think this was a tremendously successful year for for Texas A and M. It's disappointing, yeah, I, but it was I successful. Think they need to they need to continue it. They have a chance to to finish it strong. I think you're right. I, I, this this anger will fade, and they will then be in a different probably a different mind space. I mean, you you know how it works with Texas A and M fans. It, it, they're always waiting for the piano to drop on their head, but I'm, it, this isn't the piano not making the playoff. It isn't. It just Mm-mm. that was just how it was going to go. Pretty much the moment you lost to Alabama like that. We'll be back to talk more college football right after these words. What if that pass in the Auburn game that 
tipped off of the Auburn defensive back's fingers and jumped up into the air and then landed in the A&M's receiver's hands in the end zone is like the turning point or the catalyst for the next six-year run that turns out to be an amazing run for, for, for yeah, listen, A&M you never and know. a playoff I mean, berth. Gus Malzahn got put on the path to a $21.5 million buyout by a, uh, by a tipped pass against Georgia and yeah. then a returned <laughs> missed field goal against Alabama. Because <laughs> really, I mean, we can all dream of national championships, Ari, but the real dream is to get $21.5 million to not work. Yeah, I don't know how I do that. I, I, uh, I'm still working on that, but you know, in the meantime, we're working hard to to get to that point. But you know, I think <laughs> we, you should just. I hope that I can just say this to A and M fans, and then we can move on. But congratulations on an awesome season. It was great. You oh, know? you Bill Hancocked him. Is that oh, what I did? <laughs> that's what Bill. Congratulations, that's what Bill Han- a valiant- back in the VCS days. <laughs> yeah, people ask Bill Hancock, "What would you say to Auburn?" You know, they're they're twelve and zero, and you've left them out of the BCS title game. Well, congratulations on an awesome season. Yeah, I, I actually mean that, though. You know, I, I say things that make people angry a lot. And I'm not trying to make people angry or to be a troll or, you know, whatever. I just try to speak my mind and how I feel well, specifically we, we about it. we live in a society it. where people can't handle anything that doesn't match their worldview anymore. So we have complimented Texas A&M quite a bit here in the last few minutes, and deservedly so. But chances are people will only take away. They they agreed that Notre Dame should make the playoff. They're wrong. They're they're awful. I went to the University of Arizona, so therefore I hate AM. I have a bias and I hate your team. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I should change my, my profile. Stars the matter. Whole never I hate playing your favorite them team. and never having anything to do with them. To do with them, them literally ever. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I grew up hating the Aggies. And I'm actually a, a new Texas resident. I, I wanted to be embraced by the Texas AM community, but like I've met people out and and that are friends with my girlfriend who I now live with. And they're telling me, Hey, it's good to meet you. Oh, you're that guy. You're, you're an A&M trashes our take. So like, uh, or your A&M takes are trash. That's the kind of like the world I'm living in, but you know, it's how I feel. And I'm not going to apologize for that. I, I think we need to get you a guest spot with dude. Perfect. That'll, that'll get you in and go with the Aggies. Yeah. Like they can do trick shots off your head and, then all of a sudden you will be beloved by Aggies. I'm writing a, a, a recruiting column for Monday, just kind of after the dust settled from signing day. And I'm very complimentary about the direction of their program. So maybe they, they won't read that. They'll just go find a tweet that Johnny Manziel retweeted nine months ago and call me. Listen, a, hey, a I, so. I, we say that I, you're the same way and I'm the same way. We never remember when any anybody writes to us to say, hey, I love that story you wrote. Yeah, and it happens. True. It very nice sometimes. people will write to us and say, hey, I love that story. That's not who we're quote tweeting and and ripping. That's right. So we're just as guilty of it as anybody yeah. else. I got I gotta but, stop it. I gotta stop doing that. I, I just it's not a good look. I for know me. I do too. It's it's terrible. I look like a jerk. I am a jerk, but yeah. I probably shouldn't advertise it. Yeah, I advertise it too. You know, maybe that's a good New Year's resolution. Do not give in to people who say terrible things about you. That's a that's a good just way to live your life. Yeah, I think I'd it's be not happier. just a good New Year's resolution. It's a good way to live life. You're, you're supposed to, from what I'm supposed to, or what I've heard is you're supposed to turn off your notifications to only people that you follow or follow you, and then that will make you your life easier. You can do that, but like I am too arrogant to not want to look at it. Like I would feel like I'm missing something if if people are tweeting at me. I don't. And I don't, I don't feel like it's arrogance. I, I do want people to criticize me. Like I want them to be able to criticize and feel like they're able to criticize me. 
because I don't want to feel like I'm just sitting up in an ivory tower, like throwing lightning bolts right. at their favorite team. I, I want them to be able to say, this sucked. You didn't explain it very well. You're wrong. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, sometimes we, we just make fun of each other, but sometimes we actually have a nice rational discussion about it. Yeah. And I think that's important. I, I don't want to look like one of those people that just doesn't care what anybody says or thinks. Yeah, the so, hardest thing about this job too, Andy, is that you are in your position expected to be constantly right about everything all the time. And it's like, I'm wrong all the time. And like, if I wasn't <laughs> wrong all the time, then I would be living in Vegas right now with a menthol and floating in a pool somewhere up in the hills, <laughs> exactly. looking down. Like if, if I knew what was going to happen 100% of the time, this would not be my, my career right now. Yeah. All we that's, are paid to do. We're not, we don't get paid yeah. to handicap the games. We get we, paid to write to stories. analyze it. Yeah. To analyze yeah. it after it happens and do the best that we can with the information provided to give a glimpse of what could happen. That's what we do. And it doesn't mean that you're unequivocally correct every single time. It's like, I don't know why I, if, if a, a football team loses that I thought was good, doesn't, it doesn't reflect on my ability to do journalism. Like I just, I didn't handicap the game correctly. So it's just kind of an interesting dynamic, but I, I love it. And I wouldn't change it for the world. Exactly. And you know what? We're probably not going to change our notifications. I'm not, I'm never. Yeah. And that's, we can only control how we respond to them. Not, I mean, I'm never going to go into the dark. It's like that that episode of the Simpsons with, that ends with Homer looking at Marge and saying, I haven't learned a thing. Thing. (laughs) Me neither. That is exactly what we learned from the college football playoff selection this year. We haven't learned a thing. We did the best we can though. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. I ruined what was your the motto ending. of this Sorry. podcast the entire year? Everyone's doing the best we can. Yep, we did it. And they did it, and there's going to be a playoff. We got two games. It's Alabama versus Notre Dame. It's Clemson versus Ohio State. It's still going to be fun. We'll talk to you on Wednesday.